and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its mini games, as well as other games and other things, whatever we feel like doing, because we cannot be stopped. We're like the Reapers. Or the Juggernaut. Cannot be stopped. A uh, lot of stuff to talk about. Um, myself, uh, the aforementioned or aforespoken Joe Perez, and our lovely EIC and overall person in charge of everything, Liz Harper. We're going to do some talking about stuffs. I've got a fair amount to talk about. Uh, one of the first things I thought we should bring up is the Twitch drop situation for World of Warcraft players because I'll be upfront, I don't understand it. So, Liz, <laughs> what is going on with the Twitch drops thing? Uh, thanks. Thanks for just throwing that out there. Um, yeah, Twitch drops, we talked about this last week, is that there are some Twitch drops coming to World of Warcraft, so you can get cool stuff if you watch a certain number of hours on Twitch. And I just wanted to mention this, that on the 15th, the first Twitch drop comes up, which is a dragon kite toy. And uh, you have to watch four hours of World of Warcraft content between the 15th and the 18th so in order to Tuesday? get that toy. That is next Tuesday. And I just, I wanted to get this out because if you listen to the podcast on Friday, you are not going to have a lot of time to go and be sure you get that done. And we definitely don't want people to wait until the next podcast recording because you will miss the entire thing if you wait for that because it, the yeah, next podcast yeah. is recording on and, the 15th. And I mean, it's really, it's easy to do. You just have to link your Blizzard account to your Twitch account. We have a post about that on the site. But uh, yeah, you do have to kind of plan it in advance so that you actually have four hours of time to watch something. Yeah, it's a large block of time you got to put out. But I mean, one of the rewards is a Feldrake. <laughs> Yeah, that is, I think, the second reward that will come up from it. So, uh, yeah, there's a there's a series of rewards, but the first one is this cool dragon kite thing. I I like I like things. I like getting things. So yeah, next I Tuesday, can't argue yes. with that. <laughs> Who doesn't love stuff? Just um, yep. If you're playing World of Warcraft, you are demonstrably like stuff. <laughs> you know, at this point, if you're still playing the game, you like things. We we know you do because that's no. the whole reward structure of the game. I'm currently sitting here on a night elf wearing stuff because that's what I do in the game now is I dress up my night elf. And and she's quite pretty, quite frankly. She's got cool looking swords and cool looking armor. And that is the game for me. So, yeah, Twitch stuff. Let's get it. Let's go. All right. Uh. Next thing we should probably talk about then, since we're talking about that, is that a the WoW 18th anniversary has basically started, right? Yeah. The event's going yeah. right now. Yes. And Liz reminded us in an email, so I'm reminding you guys in this podcast, that there's item level 272 loot dropping from various world, world bosses, bosses. Yep. Uh, during this anniversary event. So if you're, say, playing a character that you got to level 60 fairly recently, and we're going to be talking about that in a second, if you happen to want to get yourself some pretty solid loot that'll last you like a couple of levels into, into Dragonflight, Easy. yeah, now's a good time to, to go and, and kill those old bosses. Um, the basic ones <laughs> that I've Lord seen knows here I'm doing are, that after this podcast. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> the, the ones that get me is we've got the originals, Lord Kazak, Zeragos, and the currently active Dragon of Nightmare, one of those four is going to be up. Emerus, Elthon, Tarar, and Yassandra? Yep, those guys. Yeah, There's also got it. Doomwalker, who's now in Tenaris. Blong. Yeah, he's, yeah so, he's right outside the Caverns of Time, and he will squish you, as so always. If you you know can get involved in killing one of those dudes. And remember, the way these things work now is you can just, you know, you don't have to join a group for them. You just run up. If people are hitting them, you can just run up and tag him 
and you know, hopefully enough people are continuing to hit him that he'll die before you do, and you can get some loot. Uh, so yeah, that's that's certainly something I think is cool. And in total, with the four dragons of nightmare, we're looking at Doomwalker, Lord Kazak, Azurgos, then Emrys, Lathon, Tarar, and Yasandra, as Joe mentioned. That's seven bosses. So, and they seem to have different loot too. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, they've got different their own loot tables, like original stuff. Like you can get a 272 version of Typhoon, the sword off of Azurgos. So it's their original loot tables from when they were first put into World of Warcraft, but up, but scaled up to item level 272. So I'm thinking eh, that's, that's certainly worth doing. Man, I can I'm, finally I'm, maybe I'm gonna, get a comma's edge. Yeah, you might. Maybe you can. I don't think so. I don't think it's possible for you to get it. Probably not. It's my it's luck. You. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's not possible to get. I'm saying it's not possible for no, you no. to get. I'm aware. I am well okay. aware. Trust me. I still have a tally sheet from how long it took me to get the Dark Shaman Transwog. Trust me. I am painfully <laughs> aware. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind that I'm the guy that had to buy his own shoulders because they never <laughs> dropped. Not once. I had to buy them on the auction house. Matt, Matt and, and I are not- literally were kids kicking cans on opposite sides of the street when it comes to getting loot and wow sometimes. Yeah, it's really not good. But regardless, if if you're hanging around, I mean, the Fathom Lord of the Deep's helmet, which was such a cool shaman helmet back in the day, uh, you can get that thing now uh, it, at item level two seventy two. If you if you go and kill Doomwalker, who's just wandering around Tanaris like a like a fat plum that will stop on you <laughs> repeatedly, a, a really dangerous fat plum. So he, so it's a spiky plum, and you don't want to get close to it. But if enough people are stabbing the plum, go get yourself some loot. <laughs> My God, I'm weird about loot. Uh, but yeah, that's that's cool. I'm really glad that Liz pointed that out. Let me look around at what other stuff we might want to talk about. Do you want to talk about the uh, drag, the Diablo Immortal uh, sharding merger. thing? Yeah, realm merger or whatever they whatever they're calling. It. They're calling it merged realm. So you think we should? Yeah, throw that they. Out well, we just have, so we may as well finish the thought. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, Diablo Immortal did some server merging today, like a whole lot of server merging. Like for every four servers, there's now one server, which is a lot and a lot of server merging. Yeah, they did it. But it's really, yeah, they're doing it in an odd way. It's more like connected realms and they're just squishing everything. I'm going to point out for people who who don't know, they have a lot of different regions for Diablo Immortal. So right now they have the South America, the, the, the South America region has got four clutches of four servers a piece that will be merging um the the east asia one slash kr uh that's got three um three groups of four servers each the east asia two japan that one's got three uh clutches of four servers each that are merging uh and north america has one north america one and north america two each of those has three groups of four so a total of of six clusters of four north american realms that will be merging but the way the merger is going, as Liz said, and I'm going to let Liz talk about it, the way that the merger is going is it's much more like Connected Realms in World of Warcraft than what we would think of as an actual server merge. Yeah, I mean, yeah. pretty much pretty much that. It's your everything is going to be maintained like it were a single server. Um, like uh, your guilds are still going to be there. Your friends are still going to be there. All of that, except when you log on, you'll also see everyone from every other server you're, you're now merged with. So... Yeah, they're just kind of compressing everything so they get more, you know, more population when you log in. Yeah, basically so you can group with more people. It, it's mm-hmm. very much like Connected Realms. Um, going to yeah. run through some of this because I just think some people might be interested. But um, 
If your merged server contains duplicate character names, warband names, or clan names, a number will be automatically added to the end of each identical name, and a free name change will be provided. So I'm not sure if that means that the like they pick somebody to be the OG with that name or if everybody gets a number and everybody gets to change their name. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work, but that's it'll probably work the way it worked in World of Warcraft with Connected Realms. I was just going to say that, yeah. That seems so, like the most the most logical uh, method, right? The, the leaderboards are going to be re-ranked following the server merges. But all the server-first achievements for Challenge Rifts will be retained. All Deeds of Valor badges will be retained. Your Battleground score and rank will be retained. Your character will remain in the same warband, same clan. Uh, you will retain all the players on your friends list, and your character will retain all of their items. Anything you've got on your character, none of that's changing or going away. Um, the one thing that's kind of complicated is the Immortal. Like right now, each individual server will have their own immortal, the character who is literally won the uh, contest for who gets to be in the the, hat, the bragging rights between the two factions that fight. I can't remember the names of the like the immortals and the like the people who don't like them, the shadows. I think, but is something like yeah, that you can tell. I haven't been playing mortal lately. Yeah, I haven't either. But but whoever is the, the, the currently your realm will have a top player who's who's done the most dominance in in that whole sub game of the of the of diablo immortal when they merge the realms uh there will be like four immortals on that shared group only one of them will get to stay the immortal the one with the highest dominance all the other immortals will be reverted back down to adventurers but they get some kind of compensation to basically say yes you were the immortal before we only get to have one now so here's here's a booby prize but they don't say what it's going to be so yeah, that's basically it. They're gonna pause the Shadow War and Ring of Right of Exile stuff to to give people time to get used to being on the new joined up server. Uh, they they don't actually have a how long they're gonna pause it in this. They don't list that. But um, this feels interesting to me because it does feel like a, a problem that a lot of other MMOs have had over the years, and they tend to solve it in a similar way, but. I'm not sure why they went with connected realms type server merging and not a straight up server merge. Like, I'm not sure why maybe it's just logistics. Like Joe, you'd, you'd probably know more about that than me. The fact that they've decided not to actually move characters or close down those servers, but to rather just leave them all open and use connected realm structure. So it's consolidating data to a certain extent. So probably, and, and I can't speak to the sheer logistics of it because they haven't really released how their structure is, but I have a guess. Um, and my guess is that there are, for lack of a better term, they're using a, a form of technology that essentially spins up containers or space as needed for those realms. What they're probably doing uh, is instead of, you know, moving or, or, you know, taking those realms and putting them away, they're just shutting off how far it can expand and then cramming them together so that they can share resources. So it winds up essentially accomplishing the exact same thing. But with none of the migration time, none of the worry about uh, losing data, and it's far less intrusive to players. And it also tends to be a little more stable uh, if they put the bridge coding in correctly. And that's probably still way too high level, but like it's it's the best that I can think of, which is why they're doing it. Okay. I mean, Some, the, sometimes that's a the nice interesting. Effect. 
the, the interesting thing is they posted about this today and also it happened today. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the amount of warning you got was, oh, by the way, boom. Yeah, because and that's because that's it's a very quick thing to implement or at least quick ish, right? Because you're, you're essentially just think of it like building blocks. So if you have you know, arbitrary, we'll say eight realms and those eight realms are each consistent of nine blocks, but those realms could also be 12 up to 12 blocks depending on how many people are on them. Instead, you just take those nine blocks and they just borrow from each other instead. And you just take away the, the blocks that don't always permanently exist. So you're not actually really doing anything besides telling it to say, yes, okay, a set of blocks A can reach out to set of blocks B for resources and B can reach out to C for resources and so on and so forth. It's so like it is stupidly quick for changes like that because you're not bringing the entire infrastructure down to do it. It's great. All right. Uh, next thing I was going to bring up is something that I think anybody who's going leveling a character right now, trying to get up ready for Dragonflight, will be interested in. Since, as we just mentioned earlier, Dragonflight's uh, this the pre patch with the actual content stuff is next Tuesday. Uh, in addition to the Twitch thing and going on next Tuesday is the fifteenth of November. So yeah, uh, you've got till next week to get to level sixty if you want to be at level sixty when the pre patch stuff starts happening. And if, if that's your case, right now, there's you can get enough XP boosts to stack yourself up to 300% bonus XP uh, for the for the week. Um, we have an article on the site about it. Liz, you you told me specifically you wanted to talk about this, so I'm going to let you talk about this. <laughs> Man, making me talk about things I want to talk about. Um, Yes, it's kind of the stars have aligned to bring us all of these different experience boosts, which all of them stack. And uh, so you have Winds of Wisdom, which we've had. That's been around for a while. It's going to continue until the 15th. That gives you plus 50% experience. And then earlier this week, was it the end of last week? The WoW 18th anniversary event started. That is plus 18% experience. Every year we get one more percent there. Uh, and we also have Dark Moon Fair this week, which can give you a 10% experience buff. You can also add that to the drought of drought. Ah, there's a potion of 10 lands that you can get. Wow. I'm probably saying the complete wrong thing here because drought, I don't have the post up no, in front of me. Drought of 10 Dr lands is drought? The drought. Like, you know, yes, like, they, like a drought. 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 Okay. Yeah. I words. They're hard. It's not yeah, like they, I very hard. write them professionally. Not like I write them professionally or anything. That's another 10%. You can also do war mode for 15%. And of course, what actually gets you all the way up to those big numbers is rested, which is 200% on kills. So if you've got all of these things, if you have an alt that's been sitting around, you have a lot of rested experience, you can just really bang out levels right now for the next week. And uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty speedy. If you have, if you're thinking about switching characters for the expansion, if you just want to have some alts at max level, all of those things, now is the time to do it, to go and zoom through those levels, which I, I have definitely been doing. Have either of y'all been leveling any alts in the past few weeks? Yeah, I've got my uh, dra my dwarf warrior is almost 60. I'm out of character and slots. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> um, so I finished, I finished a warlock over the weekend, and I'm working, I'm switching back and forth between a hunter and a warrior right now. Those are two classes that I have never, ever in my history had at max level, but uh, I, I'm making progress there. 
And it's just, it's it's really different leveling an alt right now. Leveling a character in general feels really different with the new talent system. Like one thing that I ran into with my warrior was that I was, you know, you just pick like every time you hit a level, you've got a new talent point and you pull up your talent point menu and you're like, okay, well, this sounds good right now. And if you go off and you do something, you find out that, wow, this was really not good. This is super not good. You can just open your talent menu again and change it right there. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it's I do like a that system a lot. where it feels, it feels like you are constantly making forward progress. You're constantly making little choices and you can change anything. If you do anything wrong back in vanilla, when we last, when we had talent trees, you couldn't do that. If you made a mistake, well, I hope you have some gold to fix that. What's really so interesting. Just, go ahead. I, I'll go ahead. Let's start. I, I just think it feels really dynamic and interesting now. This is some of the best WoW leveling has ever felt. I'm going to say this much for it. Um, what I found really interesting about it when I was I jumped on my Hunter uh, was, first off, I didn't immediately have to go and spend 20 minutes picking talents. Mm-hmm. They were there already. I'd, it had already decided, oh, you're, you're a, a Beast Mastery Hunter. Here's a pretty good spread for Beast Mastery at your level. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I just went out and started shooting things. Uh, quickly realized that I didn't like the talent build it gave me. So I thought, oh, well, I guess I got to get back to town. And then I'm like, wait a minute. No, I can just reset it right here. So I just reset the button there and, and did my talents again. And mm-hmm. it's like, when we talked about this, I think the thing we all focused on was the fact that it's very, it's reminiscent of original World of Warcraft and the talents that we had up until the end, like Cataclysm. But mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that came in with Mists of Pandaria for convenience is still here or is even better than it was then. Like the talent rejig- rejiggling that we have now, rejiggling, rejiggering, I don't know, bad words, <laughs> but nevertheless, the talent changing system here is way better than it's ever been. It is It is more accessible than it's ever been mm-hmm. as far as that goes. It's still daunting in terms of choice. Uh, or it can be potentially, but they, they've definitely done some quality of life stuff, especially with like yeah. the pre-done builds and things like that. I overall, and I want to make this perfectly clear because there's a lot of people out that have been, you know, well, do you hate the new talents, Joe? No, I think that the system itself is fine. I think there's a lot of really good quality of life stuff that I'm really enjoying, like you guys are pointing out. Um, I just, you know, there's still some broken stuff that need to be fixed. Yeah, we're always going to want them to, that's the thing with talent systems like this. You're always going to want different stuff. Well, no, I mean, literally, uh, legitimately, there are talents that are broken. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. Like I'm, I'm we, not kidding. We, we rated last week, Wednesday, and my healing numbers were awful. And I, and I started doing some research like, oh, this one talent is broken and actually reduces my healing by 22%. Well, that's bad. Froger is cursed. But yeah, um, i trying to think of like what else to point out about leveling because there's actually something else about it that I find really interesting. It's the thing Liz mentioned that you basically get a talent every level. And as a result of that, it does kind of recapture that feeling from original WoW when you leveled, you got something, you know, you got something every level. Ding, grats, you know, and, and now I do a thing. There is something kind of primal about, and now I do a thing. Now I, I push this button and get better at something. I, I do think that that is something that I've missed in WoW. I mean, my reward was always whenever I leveled, I would get uh, John Cena. So, I mean, I was always happy about that, you know, while uh, screaming at me, John Cena! Because, I mean, that was just fun. It was good stuff. Uh, he's <laughs> he's too much new for me, man. The, the wrestlers I knew as a kid don't exist because I didn't watch wrestling. But, yeah, John Cena is just too new. I like him fine as an actor. But anyway, uh, since we're talking about leveling and talents and so forth, 
Uh, this is one that I saw Joe and, and Liz talking about, and I decided I'm going to put this up because that way Joe and Liz will both have to talk. And, and I might Joke's drink on more you. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. Resto Shaman get DPS buffs on Dragonfly Beta is what I have here as the notes because I'm not sure exactly what's going on. From what I understand, they do, they're doing class tuning changes, and they just put out a new one that, amongst other things, buffs the damage coefficients on Resto Talent abilities. Um, so I'd like Joe to explain this. Baseline resto talent basically spell spell power coefficient essentially is what it boils down to. Um, when you are in resto, you're not supposed to be doing a whole ton of damage. Obviously, you're supposed to be doing some damage because there's an expectation that you're going to be like other healers uh, picking up some of the damage in particular mythic plus. Uh, but it was getting like I think it was 15 percent was the uh, the coefficient before. This is for stuff like uh, flame shock, earth shock. Uh, lightning bolt, uh, lava surge, stuff like that. They've raised that from 15 to 45. Um, it's, Couldn't that also be for leveling, though? It doesn't have to just be it, for Mythic Plus, does it? It will also help with leveling, but it was probably more noticeable at higher levels. Um, generally speaking, when I was leveling with the other coefficients on the in the beta, I didn't notice a problem. Right. And I didn't see a problem. I didn't have any survivability issues. Um, but on max level, I was definitely not able to keep up as much and even soloing at max level. It probably helps with that as well. But I think the biggest benefit is going to be uh, in Mythic Plus content because there's an expectation that healers are also going to be doing some damage in order to help get through timers. So I think some of that is to help mitigate that as well. But there's an element probably of survivability and uh, solo ability, even though I really don't think you should solo as Resto if you're doing leveling or questing. But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> All right, well, let's, let me open that up then. Liz, do you think that other healers should get this? I know that you've currently playing a, a, a healing paladin. I know you've played it. You've healed on a monk before. Uh, do you think I that other healers need something like this? I mean, it's it's interesting. Healers are in a really weird place. Certainly at the end of Shadowlands, it's the healers who do the DPS and healing. It's your mist weavers, your paladins, your druids. discipline priests who really have... Really, do druids are druids heavy on the DPS healing? Druids can be, uh, especially at the end of Shadowlands with the right gear. Uh, Resto druids were one of the most sought after Mythic Plus healers because of not only the CC and the talents that they could go into, uh, but they could, you know, customize themselves to a point where they could have bear effects or cat effects or bird effects that would really influence how a group moved through a dungeon. Uh, and part of that was the amount of DPS that they could put out. Mm. But it's like with pal when you have paladins and you have uh, disc priests in particular, those are the classes that are specifically their your damage is part of your healing rotation just natively and monks can do that too mist weavers can i don't know that that's the kind of meta mist weaver to do the fist weaving thing right now but you can and it's kind of passive and those healers have kind of been kind of been down on the numbers lately those have not been the most popular healers the ones that dps and heal at the same time because they, you know, Blizzard has kind of had that hybrid tax thing for them. It's like, okay, well, you're doing damage, so you can't do as much healing. And it's like, well, at high level Mythic Plus, when you're trying to be competitive, you actually, you actually still really need that healing. So I, the damage healing ratio is is weird right now, and I'm not, I'm not really sure how it's going to feel in Dragonflight because they're still making these big tuning changes, and I think. 
I really feel like you have to see where the rubber hits the road. When we get into Dragonflight, when we hit level 70, when we're doing these dungeons, how is it going to feel? Am I going to feel like I can't heal enough? Is Joe going to feel like he's not doing enough damage to participate in the group? I don't know yet because they're still, it's still so swingy. When they're making changes, they're making big changes, drastic changes. So I, I'm in wait and see mode. Okay, fair enough. Joe, you have anything to add before we move on? Uh, I mean, I think I think a lot of the other healing classes are already in a, a pretty decent place. So I would, or as far as damage goes, I'm not going to talk about healing because I don't know that much about uh, other other classes healing, except for like maybe druids because they're my prime enemy right now. You're off the hook, paladins. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I mean, paladins are D tier healers right now. You have nothing to worry about. <laughs> uh, but I, th- I think damage wise, I think most of the healing classes out there have enough enough kick in them to to get to a certain point that I think Charmo were just falling behind. But uh, I'm all for attention to healers because we often get overlooked in balancing of everything. So, you know, good stuff. All righty. Uh, I'm going to move on to this little article that uh, Kurth wrote. Um, Christian. Sorry, Christian. I keep forgetting that your real name is actually a thing. So I call <laughs> you by your, your long-established commenting. But the uh, creation catalyst that we had in, in Zareth Mortis is coming back, sort of. They've made a new version of it for Dragonflight called the uh, Inspiration Catalyst, I believe. And yeah, I honestly, I didn't get to use the Creation Catalyst much because I wasn't doing Zareth Mortis when it was brandy new. Uh, I, I had taken some time off. And now that I've come back, I haven't really gotten to use it yet. Um, so I'm going to, you guys, have, me- at least you guys have used it, right? I, I should note that you should go out there and use the Creation Catalyst because it will get you transmog. Yes. Oh yeah, I know. Whether you need the gear or not, transmog. Oh yeah, I, I want to get to using it, but it just hasn't been something. Else. But I'm gonna since since you just jumped in there, Liz, talk <laughs> oh, about <no>. this. <laughs> I, I, well, okay. Here's the problem. I know nothing about this, which is why I asked Christian to write a post about it because I know that's spoiler alert. Half of the content on the site, it's like. I don't know about this. So there are probably other people who don't know about this. Someone write it for me and then I'll read it and then I'll understand it. And I haven't read this post yet. Okay. Well, I can read this part. Um, (laughs) The major change is you will not need a separate currency like cosmic flux to upgrade an item. Instead, charges will accumulate via completion of weekly quests, essentially combining the activities that reward cosmic flux with the automated gain of charge each week. So they're basically packing together the two aspects of it currently into one thing, which I think makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Like it, it, the, the creation catalyst was a really good mechanic. And I say that with no caveats and I don't say that about much. So, you know, take that, um, bringing it back, I think is smart. It's a feature that I think will serve the player base. Well, tying it to stuff like daily quests, I'm 50, 50 on, right. I, I think having it accumulate charges is great. Not sure daily quests is the way to go, depending on how many you have to do in order to retain, get a charge. That will be the determination, right? Because sometimes you just don't feel like doing daily quests anymore because you've done the same ones a million times. So I'm very curious how that's going to work out. But on the surface, on paper, I like what I'm hearing because I think it's a really useful thing to bring over. Now, if they leave the mission table at home, and bring this over instead. I'm super happy about that. And I'll take that as a win. As far as I know, there's no mission table in Dragonflight. I haven't seen her. There is not. Like there mm-hmm. is not. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Gone. 
It only it only so, took uh, how many expansions? I don't know, five. Five. Like, <laughs> Warlords of Draenor, Legion, Battle for Azeroth, Shadowlands. So four. Four. This is the yeah. So f- <laughs> not my favorite mechanic. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're all on on record as saying that you know the mission table has had its moments when it was good, but I don't feel like it was serving much purpose in the last couple of expansions that it existed in. Yeah. Um, so, but now that we've talked about that. We have one thing to talk about, but I don't want to talk about it too much because it is much more of a lore watch thing. But I do think we should at least mention the, the new Leg- Legacies uh, trailer, the uh, the the Dragonflight uh, animations that have been going out dropped this week, and we've got a pretty interesting look at what's going on with the story of Dragonflight. Um, again, I don't want to go into too much detail. Because we will be talking about it on Lore Watch, I'm positive. We are 110% going to be talking about this on Lore Watch. And I also don't want to talk about it too much because Liz doesn't really do the lore. So it would just basically be her sitting here listening to me and Joe talk for 20 minutes. But I will say <laughs> that what I did find interesting was how they tied it together with stuff that stuff we've never heard before and stuff we knew already which is something that's kind of hard to balance with this kind of narrative. So I was actually pretty happy with it. Also something we literally just talked about on this week's lore watch. Mm -hmm. Um, If you haven't listened to it at the time of of listening to this one, I would highly recommend it. We kind of go in the weeds, which I know everybody is super, super sad about, Uh, but it's they're They're filling in gaps in previous story beats. And I really enjoy that. I like when they do that. Because there's these gaps which don't represent like uh, retcons or anything like that. They represent opportunities to enrich the story. And that's exactly what this is doing, right? It's deepening the understanding of a character that's already tragic. It's, well, two characters that are already tragic, really. Uh, it's deepening the understanding of what would cause some of the things and choices to uh, to be made. And that's always entertaining. And I'm going to stop because I could, uh, again, like man i could just i'm i'm really at the cusp of going into this but yeah i'm very I, I pleased this, with i'm really pleased with number three how's that yeah this this one in particular kind of reminds me of if you have a show that says something like after ten thousand years i'm free now it's time to conquer earth a story set in the middle of that ten thousand years is not a retcon stuff happens in time like if if ten thousand years ago this happened well what happened since it's not a retcon. That's what this is. Uh, this is one of the things that happened in that time that we hadn't heard about yet. So I'll, I'll stop there. We've already covered uh, a lot of the stuff that I was going to mention, like the anniversary and how Dragonflight's Drakthir and stuff in the pre-expansion event is all next. Next Tuesday is the Dragonflight Drakthir are going to be playable and the pre-expansion event starts. The actual event is starting next Tuesday, which means that we are two weeks. That's, you know? that's going to be the 15th. For yep. people listening to this. Yeah, sorry. Uh, next Tuesday is the 15th because this Tuesday is the 8th. And if you are listening to this recorded, then yes, I, I am speaking to you from the past. Um, <laughs> but yeah, next Tuesday, the 15th, then we got two weeks of that event. And then we got Sussus an expansion. So yeah, it's getting, we're, we're almost there, guys. Think, think about that for a second. And now we're going to talk about this N7 day teaser. <laughs> because I know that that's not World of Warcraft, but guys, quite frankly, I, I, I have no choice. If I don't talk about this thing, I'm going to have a heart attack. First off, if you didn't see the teaser, go watch the teaser. It's, it's not I mean, that long. It's on their Twitter account. Just go to the Mass Effect Twitter and bam, it's right there. Yeah, I was I was thinking maybe first off we should specify this is a teaser for the next Mass Effect game. Yes. Which, uh, 
Bioware released one last year, they released one this year, and they're just, they're cryptic. They're cryptic, and the internet is all about cryptic hints. Yeah, very much so. But also, uh, one of the things I will point out is that I, I saw an interview with Jennifer Hale where she flat out said, I want them to bring Shepard back, and I want to be the, the voice of Shepard in this game. Um, I don't know if that means that they haven't talked to her about it yet, or if that means they have and she's just being canny. I don't know. But um, if Jennifer Hale says she wants to do it, what are you waiting for? <laughs> do you need like do you need someone to just come to your house? Like, what's happening here? Uh, but yeah, the, the the teaser itself, when Liz says it's cryptic, she is not kidding. But there is a voice file where you get to hear uh, Liara to Sony saying something. Uh, it sounds like Liara talking with a geth. Yes, it does. It, um, yeah, it has. It's got the geth noises to it. So. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it. If you don't want to know any story possible story spoilers, I'm not going to spoil what she says or what's being said. But if you want this, go look at it. Uh, it doesn't really reveal much of anything. I promise you, you will not know anything about the story of Mass Effect 4 or 5 or whichever one it is. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty... It's, it's working. It's doing that job of making me frantic, wanting to know more about it. So yeah, kudos, Mass Effect. See, and I completely missed this because I was too busy trying to get uh, Dad of War to Ragnarok to download early. <laughs> yeah. That's this week. That's like what, tomorrow? Tonight. Tonight. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. There. Okay. So don't we won't be seeing Joe again for a couple of days. <laughs> I do wish they called it Dad of War, quite frankly. Uh, nobody nobody I know calls it God of War anymore. Ever since the uh, the PS4 game, it's been Dad of War. And I will have yeah, I just, it no other way. I think we should be like Daddy O Warbucks. There's there's a there's a mod on the PC version because they just they released the PC version not too long ago. And uh, mods are a thing uh, where you play as uh, various different characters. And uh, one of the ones you can play as is Ned Flanders as uh, Kratos, which is absolutely hysterical. Just throwing it out there. Or scriddly umptious. <laughs> <laughs> well, Oakley Doakley. And then he just goes into Spartan Rage. It's great. It's fantastic. Sorry, I love that game. The worst part is that Flanders actually works really well as Kratos because Flanders does actually have the ability to go into combat rages and beat people up. He's mm -hmm. quite buff, actually. Uh, he's like Groundskeeper Willie. The two of them are just incredibly hench for no reason. But at this point, I think we're going to actually do some questions uh, because we can. Yeah. We actually have a few this week. So um, if you've got a question for the site, uh, for specifically for this podcast, because I mean that's that's the one that I have to write the email for, uh, please you can email it to us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzard watch so we know it's for this show. Or you can use one of our two Discord server channels. Uh, one of them is the uh, Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel for patrons. We tend to look there first for questions because you guys pay for us to have a site. We were talking about this on the pre-show. You guys make this all possible. So, yay. Uh, if you can't support us on Patreon, though, we, we do get it. Uh, believe me, we get it. Um, I had to recently stop supporting someone on Patreon because I don't have a lot of money. So I totally understand. Uh, but if you if you don't have that ability, but you still want to like interact, we do also have a Q&A podcast questions channel for non-patrons. We do look there as well. Uh, this time, however, <clears throat> we've been doing this various ways, like where I come up with something or I would read them. Whatever. This week, I'm just going to say, which one of you would like to read the questions this week? And then we will wait. I feel <laughs> I, I, I'm going to maybe ask Liz to do it because I've talked a lot tonight and I feel like I want to hear more Liz talk. Okay. Liz, uh, are you okay, okay with that? I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm reading questions. Okay. Right, thank you. 
<laughs> Greetings. I have always assumed that the face adorning the Forsaken Crest was Sylvanas's, given the resemblance and her role in the faction's existence. So my questions are, do you think it could plaus plausibly be a generic face? And if not, do you think that the Forsaken or Blizzard would want to change the crest? Thanks, Gorquin. And I... I don't, I, I think like Gorquin, I always assumed that this was a representation of Sylvanas, but now that he's brought this up, I'm like, I'm, I'm not sure. Is it supposed to be Sylvanas? Because it has kind of that purple thing around the eyes with like those, those drippy tear things going on. Uh, yes, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, like one of you has to have an opinion. Yeah, no, no, I, I, so it is actually originally when the Forsaken Crest was created, there was an interview and I can't remember when. Um, but it was brought up that it was a representation of Sylvanas with the three arrows representing the three, uh, Windrunner sisters, uh, the shattered mask, uh, basically representing the shattered life, uh, that she held as, uh, you know, a living, uh, being, and then the tears as the, the grief and, and woe at that event. Um, it has been years. I don't know if that is still canonical, uh, because the last time they talked about that was, uh, 2008 something like that like it's been a hot minute uh but i remember specifically somebody asking that at, at a blizzcon and then them breaking that down at one of the artist uh the artist uh uh things i don't i don't want to call it a booth but it was like a side stage uh where it was like a question and answer thing with them uh so that may have shifted over time but i do i will always remember it as that um so i don't know yeah, if Matt, I think I think it's fairly recognizably supposed to be Sylvanas. It even has, as Liz pointed out, it's got the the tears going down the, the eye thing. Uh, whether or not that means they have to change it, honestly, I feel like at this point, we've seen enough representations of it in-game. Like, uh, Gorquin included their uh, three versions of it that Gorquin included. One's just like a regular arrow and the mask. One of them is the full one we've always seen before. And one of them is actually just one of the complete mask, like not even shattered. It's the mm -hmm. whole face. And there's tears going down both sides. I think that is obviously supposed to be Sylvanas. And I think honestly, if I were Forsaken, I don't know if I'd want to keep it there or not. Like there've got to be some Forsaken who feel like, sure, what happened with Sylvanas wasn't great, but we owe her everything. And there's got to be some Forsaken who are like furious and hate her and feel like she betrayed them. I would like it if we saw this play out in game somewhat. Like we've seen uh, the quests that you get to help Kalia Menethil. I don't know if the Alliance even gets them. I haven't even tried, but the Horde get them. And if you played Horde and you did those quests, I, I took my Torrent out and did them. There's a lot of like the, the Forsaken are not. Oh yeah. They're, they're coming together in an interesting way where there's a lot of strife and discord between them. And they're not a monolith anymore. They're not like under force under Sylvanas, the forsaken were a monolith. It was, what does Sylvanas want? That's what we're going to do. And now they're not that, and they don't even know what they should be. So I would like it. If we saw in game, anything about this, like if they want to change the crest, I don't think they should just show up with a different crest. I think it should be part of a process of, of story quests. Like the ones we see at the end of shadowlands. That's going to be what I say about it. Yeah. I got nothing else. Yeah, I feel like we've gone so long with Sylvanas running the Forsaken, running the show. They're Forsaken kind of need a new identity. And I think a lot of them are going to want that. There is, Sylvanas is a hugely popular character, a hugely historical character. But now the, the Forsaken are kind of trying to find their own destiny apart from Sylvanas. 
And it's not like Sylvanas is going away, but she's not in charge of the Forsaken anymore either. She's off doing her own stuff. So this would be the time. This would be the time to disconnect the Forsaken from Sylvanas. Yeah, I, I think that certainly is. There's definitely a case to be made for that. Absolutely. And uh, now it's our so time to read another question. I will read another question from Tetsimi he, him, for the Blizzard Watch podcast. As I am currently an anxious ball of a human being, me, Liz, I do not know why anyone would be an anxious ball of a human being. It's not like anything stressful is going on in the world right now, right? General screaming intensifies. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, I'm saying this while the whole world is on fire around me, but okay. Back to the question. My question for the podcast is, what game calms you down? What game settles your mood? I'm I'm going to jump in here and say Mass Effect. And it's purely because I have played it like a thousand times. And it's it's just like going back and like reading a favorite book. It's like, it's comfortable. I know what's going to happen. I know how to deal with it. And that's that's it. That's everything that's appealing about it right now. I bet both of you could name exactly what game that is for me. Because I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. I have no miles idea who you could be talking about. <laughs> Which is funny. So uh, I wrote a, be- a breakfast talk about this la- like earlier in the year. I want to say it was like January, February, something like that. Um, comfort games, right? They're, they're comfort games that most people that play video games have. Whether you realize it or not, you have a game that you default to. Uh, and it makes you feel better. Whether it's because it brightens your mood or it gives you control or whatever the case is. It gives you the exact right brain chemistry hit you need uh in that moment and yes spider-man uh is that game for me uh both the base game and the miles morales uh uh game as well so it's it's one of those things where when i'm in a bad mood i will play that game when i'm anxious i will play that game and it brings me joy and it's mostly for me it's because for a little time i feel like i have direct control over something familiar and I feel like I'm doing good, even if it's in a digital version of New York. So, Matt, I don't know, Matt. Matt, you're an odd, you're an odd duck to to, to pin down here. Well, the problem I, is I have too many of them. I yeah, have I was gonna say recently, I'd say Cyberpunk. Yeah, um, that's definitely in the rotation. Um, I have different ones for different things. Uh, doing a transmog type thing always soothes me. Like, like. I need to get this one piece to make my transmog complete, whether it's World of Warcraft or other games that have a transmog system. It that that's one itch that Cyberpunk scratches. When I just want to basically, for lack of a better word, do you remember that? I can't remember the name of the show, but there was a game a show a while ago where there was like a really cheerful cartoon like hamster type thing that would just scream heavy metal lyrics in a furious rage. <laughs> you guys remember that one? Too- yeah, Agatsuko. When I'm like that, when I feel the, the inner heavy metal lyric screaming needs needs to happen, I will play Diablo three and get on my my barbarian. It's just you know, let the bodies at the floor, let the bodies at the floor, and I will just do that until such time as I'm like, okay, 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 everything has been destroyed. Ah, okay, I'm gonna go get something to eat. Uh, Diablo three is my game in that situation. Do if I want to wander around a beautiful landscape and do unspeakable things to people, like kick them off of a cliff or stab them in the back or or throw an, an, a spear at them from a very long distance and then teleport to that spear as it's jabbing into them. And I also want to be a, a badass Spartan woman quipping her way through it, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. If I still want to be a badass woman quipping through it, but I'd like to be shooting people, Cyberpunk. 
So those games, and both uh, Odyssey and Cyberpunk have transmog. Like both right now, it it seriously is like Sophie's choice for me when I log into my Xbox. It's like the Odyssey, but then there's Cyberpunk, but then there's Odyssey, but then there's Cyberpunk. Um, and you know, the final game. I mentioned that I do play World of Warcraft as well, but the, the final game on this list of games that I play purely just to make myself like de-stress or feel soothed uh, is going to be Tetris. Yeah, I can see Original that. Original Tetris. <clears throat> just straight up Tetris. Not any of the new Tetrises, just Tetris. There's Because there's nothing quite like getting that stupid L-shaped block into the exact right place to make like six things go whoosh. It's just like, <laughs> ah, there's, I, there's a tangible release to this. So yeah, that that's my final one. There, there's another case for made for other games too that I that I really enjoy lately when I need something, I don't say mindless, but I need to, to take myself away uh, from whatever's happening and maybe I don't have access to my TV because maybe somebody's playing a Disney game on it and I don't have access to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know who or why would do that. That's it, that's wow. weird. It, it, that's it, so, so weird. weird. So, something something to my own doing. Blah blah blah. Anyway, um, I I really like rhythm games too. Um, because there's a certain uh, it's the physical repetition of getting into that rhythm really kind of draws me in. So in particular, like Crypt of the Necro Dancer, uh, is one of my favorite games. Is like this has ever been created? Top ten of all time. Uh, and recently, another one that was just uh, come out, which is an FPS uh, game called Metal Hellsinger, uh, which has Troy Baker and uh, Jennifer Hale uh, as voice actors in it. But they actually got real metal artists. And as you do better in the game, like as you do things to the rhythm, because everything you do is to the rhythm, uh, shooting, dodging, jumping, all that stuff, uh, more layers of the song get let, let in. You get more you get the song. It is like bears most skeleton form at the beginning, but the better you do, the more in the rhythm you are, you get the full song all the way up to the vocals. And it's, it's really satisfying and really like immersive to like get to that point and just have the full song hit in. Um, and I do really enjoy metal music for some reason when I'm in uh, bad moods for whatever reason, it makes me happy. It releases endorphins. I guess I got nothing, but I was yeah. going to honestly say that I was surprised Liz didn't mention the dishonored series. Hmm. Um, well, I, I've been playing Dishonored lately. I think one of the most appealing things about video games to, like, your mental health and making you feel better is you play a video game and you have a direct control on the world around you. There are rules and systems to video games that you can understand and you can make them do what you want. You know this. And the real world is big and confusing and complicated. And you can go out and do things and they don't change the world around you or they don't change the world in the way you can you expect. You never know the rules of any given situation. A multi-billionaire a can game... just decide to buy your messaging thing and now suddenly you don't have it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But in a game, there are rules and you can play by the rules and things happen. Things happen as you expect them to do. And that's just, that's really nice when you can yeah. just go in and do things and and you actually have... An impact. You have complete control over your video game self and even the world around them because you know you know the rules, like playing Mass Effect. I know exactly what's going to happen if I take that renegade choice. I'm going to throw this guy out a window and it's going to be pretty awesome. I yeah. know all of that. Which is and weird it's because... My choice. Yeah. Hmm. No, I'm listening. Go ahead. 
it, I mean, it's my choice whether to do that or not. It's like some days you feel like throwing this guy out the window because, you know, he he's trying to ignore Commander Shepard. No, this is what happens when you ignore me. You go out the window. <laughs> How about goodbye? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, though, it's weird. It's interesting to hear you say that because I think one of the reasons that Cyberpunk is one of the games for me is that I still have not yet hit all the possible combinations. No, yeah. I still don't know what everything is. It's deep and vast. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm getting to the point where I have, I'd say I have, like, about 75% of it mapped out. But keep in mind, this game came out in 2000. Not 2000. Oh, my God. (laughs) The game came out in 2000. Ah! No, the game came out in 2020. (laughs) Two years ago. And I still haven't gotten everything. And I've played it a lot. Yeah, if I play it to 2000, oh God, <laughs> time is melting. But yeah, like that's that to me is something I like about it is that I do kind of have that control and I kind of know, but there's stuff like I just now answered a quest in a way I'd never done it before and got a completely different outcome. Like I wasn't aware that this character could be talked down. I thought you had to shoot him. Like I, I just never tried to talk him out of it. And then I did, I talked him out of it and he just gave me the thing I came for and went and sat down. And so I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. And then as I'm pulling away from him, I hear a gunshot and I go back in and realize that I actually talked him into killing himself without meaning to. And I'm like, oh, oh no, I didn't want to do that. And Johnny comes appears and is like, yeah, you did this man. And I'm like, ah, but it's, you know what I mean? Like I did not expect that it's, it's still new. There's still stuff in here I haven't seen. I like that. But at the same time, I, I like it a lot more when it's a video game. And if I'm not liking it, I can turn it off and go do something else than when it's just my life and stuff yeah. is happening all the time. And I'm like, oh, God, I didn't want that to happen. So, yeah, I, I definitely feel you on that one. Uh, do we have time for more? You think? Uh, we, got time. we definitely have time for a couple more. Okay. Let us continue from our good friend 6K. Question for the podcast, with Diablo 3 being a buffer for Diablo 4 and Diablo Immortal, do you still think we're going to see anything directly from the Diablo Immortal story pop up in Diablo 4? You want me to go, Joe? You go. Yeah, go for it. I mean, it's Diablo. I'm not going to stand in your way. I, I like my limbs in one piece. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to hurt Joe's limbs, I don't think. Uh, anyway, yes. Uh, there is actually something in Diablo Immortal when you get to near the end game to the actual end game that I think points to why everything in both Diablo 3 and potentially Diablo 4 even happens. There's a specific moment, and I'm not going to spoil it, but I think it is going to be tied into why suddenly the the people we're seeing in Diablo 4, where they're coming from and how they get there. I think it's related to this moment. Uh, so yeah, I do think there will be stuff from Diablo Immortal story-wise in Diablo 4. I don't think it's going to be a lot. I think, you know, because as you point out, Diablo Immortal is like basically, I think it's like five years after Diablo 2 yeah. and 15 years okay. before Diablo 3. And Diablo 3 is like something like 15 to 20 years ago from Diablo 4. So I don't think it's going to be a ton of things from Diablo Immortal are going to be showing up. Uh, but I do think that there's certain story moments in Diablo Immortal that are going to be referenced or part of why things are the way they are in Diablo 4. Um, I absolutely do believe that. Yeah, I think it's impossible that it's not going to be referenced. Every every Diablo game that has existed beyond the first has referenced everything that's come before it in some capacity, regardless of what the timeline may be. 
Um, Diablo as a universe, if nothing else, uh, is the sum of every decision that's been made on the on the uh, the surface of Sanctuary, uh, and it sort of revels in it. It wouldn't be Diablo if it didn't, right? So there's yeah. going to be. You were saying that? Sorry, I was I was agreeing with you. I was going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's it's like if the primevals never never tried to rage war in heaven, we wouldn't have gotten sanctuary in the first place. We'd never had Nephilim. We would never have the heroes. We would never had any of the great wars that happened. We never would have had the world stone tragedies. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that uh, it has to reference it because time marches forward. And Diablo is the sum of its its uh, disparate events. So yeah, I think there's going to be the Sin Wars novels getting referenced in this thing. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, those things go back a ways. If they don't, and Lilith is here, there is something yeah. wrong. Yeah, seriously, you, you kind of can't bring Lilith in, and she she's like a major like deuteragonist in that book. So yeah, absolutely. But one of the things I wanted to mention is that this. Think about this. This is something I always think about whenever I play Diablo. Um, if not. For a guy looking down at the corpse of his little brother who has a big gem stuck in him that turned him into a giant demon and thinking, I should put that gem in my own forehead. We would not have any of further games. And that's how Diablo ended. That's the end of the original Diablo is I should stick this pointy thing in my forehead. Mm-hmm. And you do it. You see the character you've been playing do it. That is like at the time, that was the freakiest ending any game had had. Like just the, oh, hey, this looks interesting. <laughs> you know, I got to contain this in my own forehead. What? <laughs> There's got to be another option than jamming this in your own forehead, man. Diablo as a series, as a franchise, is the story of terrible decisions made by people who really should have known better the franchise so yeah um i definitely think we're going to see references to all that and seriously the ending of diablo still freaks me out to this day that is that is really hard to watch it was one of the most heavy metal video game endings that could ever heavy metaled (laughs) but yeah next i guess we got time for one more i think sure um okay okay um Okay, let's do this one from Shad- Shadana. 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 Question for the bl- Shadana. Yep. Question for the Blizzard Watch podcast. I was considering trying PvP solo shuffles. I cannot raid due to my schedule, and I am not sure if Dragonflight will have anything like Torghast. Uh, jumping in here, it does not. I need something that is challenging at endgame. The arena forums are full of raided PvPers saying that tanks will ruin the soul will ruin the shuffle. Is this true? I'm not actually sure if any of us know this, but I also know they made a change to this uh, actually today. But y'all talk and I'll try they, and figure out what's going on. We talked about this last time. They, they're going to try to balance the shuffle, right? Like they're, they're trying to look at it in such a way that they can balance four tanks and healers and DPS. So at least the last I, I heard or saw. So unless yeah, they the did beta some- test, There's a beta change that I've, I saw the, on the forums a day ago. Uh, by Bornak. Is that the one you're talking about, Liz? Yes, there was a new one the other day. Yeah, this... I thought. I'm going to read the changes that they've made here. Um, As we continue to discuss the best solutions to the system and how to create a more positive experience in Solo Shuffle for all players, we decided to make the following changes to tanks in Solo Shuffle. Protection Paladins will remain classified as healers and will only be placed in matches where the other healer is also a Protection Paladin. The remaining tank specializations will be classed as damage dealers with a maximum of one tank damage dealer permitted in the match. 
Amongst these updates, we will be looking closely at an actively tuning tank abilities in PvP, specifically around how they fit into solo, solo shuffle. These changes will soon be live in the Dragonflight beta and are planned to be available in the Dragonflight pre-expansion patch with Phase 2 during the week of November 15th. So that's what they're doing to tanks in solo shuffle right now. I... I don't feel like that's really fair to protection paladins, quite frankly. I feel like it kind of sucks for them to be stuck in this healers, because it's not like they're going to be healing all that much. Um, unless I misunderstand greatly how protection paladins work, whilst they do have heals, it's not their fine primary thing, or even their secondary thing. No, it's their, I think it's one of their primary functions next to... Or the only one that I think can out-heal them, really, is what, blood decays? Yeah, but, but like, that's self-healing. That's not the whole group. Sure. If they're a healer... I mean, yeah. I mean, if both... Protection Paladins have lay on hands and word of glory, but if you're doing... If you're using those, you aren't really doing tanking. If you're spending your holy power on word of glory. Uh, so that seems really weird to me. But I, I mean, if, it, if they do it the way they're saying to do it, as a Protection Paladin, if you ever queue for Solo Shuffle as a Prop Paladin, you will never see a group with a, with a healer who isn't a Protection Paladin. So are Protection so Paladins that- ever going to get groups? Like, I mean, are there going to be that many Protection Paladins queuing up that you can always make sure to have a group? I mean, your shuffle, your shuffle is just going to be six Protection Paladins, 3v3 three v, three v three Protection <laughs> Paladins. It'll be like Arena back in Wrath of the Lich King. It'll be fine. No, because they, they can't get placed as DPS. <laughs> Yeah, and, and for that matter, you can only have like one blood decay, and then if there's a blood decay in there, there will be no other tank in there because it's one tank damage dealer permitted in the match, not per side in the match. Interesting. Just in the match, there will only be because keep in mind they shuffle the group layout. So in this in this theoretical group that's got two prop paladins as healers and one blood decay in there as a tank, uh. That blood decay is eventually going to be in a group with both of those protection paladins. <laughs> in fact, he will be in like a couple of game matches per group. Like he'll be with both of them multiple times. That's going to be a really weird grouping. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, I don't know how this is going to work. I'll be up front with you, and- Shana. Go on, Liz. I-, I was quiet for you. Oh, and it's going to be a really low DPS group because protection paladins, they are not damage dealers and they aren't healers. So... I, it's like the blood DK is going to be the only one doing damage. I'm just imagining. <laughs> it's like that. I remember one time back in, in Burning Crusade, I watched a, a, a Holy Paladin and a Resto Druid dueling each other. <laughs> that was the most epic in how not epic it was duel I've the, ever seen. The longest arena match that I was ever in a part a part of was a Beastmaster Hunter and me versus a Beastmaster Hunter and a Resto Druid. This was when they had just put uh, Arena time caps in. We went to the time cap, which was like 45 (laughs) minutes or something like that, because neither side could kill the other. It was ridiculous. Yeah, each hunter is. If each hunter focused on each other, then each healer would just keep the other guy alive. Yep. And if if the... if the hunters focused on the healers, the healers kept the themselves healers alive. Just heal themselves. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I, 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 that's one of the reasons that like when I did arenas, which I didn't do very much, but when I did arenas, I was always in a three X three, uh, because you wanted to have a, an arms warrior and somebody else. Yeah. Cause otherwise if it was just, if, if you had an arms warrior in there, then the arms warrior would have all the healing that the other healer did, but, 
he wouldn't do enough damage to kill the guy. You know, it, it's just, yeah, it was nuts. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how this works. But to answer Shadow's question, I think we can all agree we don't know how this is going. Correct. And they might change it again. They might change it again a lot just yep. in the next week before it goes live. Mm-hmm. Um, I or also wonder the how next two this... weeks after that. No, yeah, that's true. Or after that, we don't know where the balance pendulum will fall. I also wonder how will this affect queuing if you're queuing as a tank? Because uh, there are so few tank slots in each solo shuffle. Yeah, if you queue as a tank, you there's one tank player per shuffle. So yeah, that I feel like it's it's telling. But the thing, then again, you're queuing as a tank. You're actually queuing as DPS, and then they only let one tank player in. So it's going to be really weird. Yeah, hmm. the whole thing is the whole thing is very odd. I mean, I'm interested to see what happens, but the whole thing is very odd. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Um, either of you have anything else you want to mention really fast? Sometimes we we remember at the last minute there's something we should have talked about. So uh, I got nothing, Joe. Neither do I. Okay, then I'm going to tap Joe on the shoulder and say, do the thing, Joe. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Joe, and uh, thank you to Liz as well, because without you guys... This is just me slowly losing my mind for an hour and a half. And you'd be screaming wow. about dinosaurs. It'd be fine. Yeah. I mean, I guess the new, all new, all dinosaur watch would be boring. For people. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, although there is, there's a, a infamous comic panel that people have seen as a meme a lot of times going, but you turn those people into dinosaurs, but with technology like that, you could have cured cancer, but I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs. Just a thought. The world would be a better place. You know, yeah. uh, this is, This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, Thank you guys so much for being here with us. And we'll see you next week. 